Good morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be with you this morning. A special welcome to those who are online as well. We're really glad that you are here in this beautiful weather on this beautiful Sunday. The other day I I was standing outside with my brother-in-law. They live in in Kansas and and they're visiting and, and we were looking down at this beautiful white iris that was growing out of the ground and, and with it there was this rose bush, this is in our front yard, a uh, uh, beautiful white or beautiful magenta rose bush and, and my brother-in-law said, well did you plant those? And I said, no, those are just some of the perennials that, that started popping up the, the spring after we moved in and, and they have just moved into a new house too and, and he said, you know, it's been really fun. It's been really fun to watch as those plants that we didn't know were there come out of the ground. It's sort of contagious, I think, even for those of us who aren't gardeners. This, this love of, of what God has made, the beauty that comes in the spring and in the summer. I think that, that staring at plants can nourish our souls. Because the truth is, all of us here, we're tied to the earth. We're tied to the earth while we live here, and our, our lives are, are deeply, deeply connected to the soil and the water and the earth. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that, and that's why when he talked about God's kingdom, when he talked about heaven, often he talked about earth. We continue this series, The, the Master Gardener, thinking about And hearing some of those stories that Jesus told, and ones about Jesus, that are connected to the dirt, and the seeds, and the weeds, and the plants, and the new growth in life. And so today we're we're talking about the Sabbath. Let's pray as we begin. Our souls, Lord, are wearied and troubled. They're heavy burdened. And so this morning we turn our eyes to you, to the one who invites us to rest. May we find our rest in you this Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a pastor whose name is Adam, and and Pastor Adam tells the story of this time that he was preaching at this big gathering of youth, and there was tons of kids there for this gathering. He he says that, that the spirit was alive in this place, and at the end of this big worship service that they had on the last day, they left this space at the end of of the service for baptisms, and they had these big pools up front, this big pool for for full immersion baptism, and some of us who are Lutherans are saying, wait, full immersion baptism? Jesus commanded that we baptize, and there are several ways that different traditions carry out baptisms. As Lutherans, we often do baptism through what's called effusion, which is this very fancy way of saying we pour water over the head of the baptized three times. Other traditions do immersion, where the whole body goes under the water. Sometimes Lutherans do that too. But, but either way, what's important for us to remember is that God is the one who does the work of baptism. The Holy Spirit does that work, and, and he can do it with a whole ocean of water or with just a drop. 
Pastor Adam comes from one of these traditions where full immersion is used. So they were ready. They had this big pool of water at this event. And, and, and they had baptismal garments, these white robes that were there to symbolize uh, being wrapped in the clean, pure love and forgiveness of Jesus. And at the end of that service, 50 kids came forward to be baptized. And to Pastor Adam's excitement, but also to his horror, there were 50 kids because he only had six baptismal garments. He wasn't ready for 50. So he improvised. There was the line on one side of the pool, and the the kids would come out on the other. And uh, there was another pastor in the pool doing the baptizing. And so what Pastor Adam did was as one kid came out, they took off the baptismal garment and he wrung it out the best he could and he ran it to the end of the line and gave it to one of the kids. And he did this over and over, back and forth, back and forth, wringing them out as he ran. And, and, and as he was running during one of those between the end and the beginning of the line, he, he, there was a man who came running down. This was in a big stadium this man came running down and he said, Pastor, wait. And Adam said, what? And the guy said, number 37. Number 37 didn't go all the way under. And, and the pastor said, what? And this guy said, I've been counting. I've been sitting up there counting and I've counted 37 children who've gone and, and been baptized and number 37 didn't go all the way under. His arms sort of just floated at the top of the water and Adam said, well, what did he look like? And, and this man said, well, he had blonde hair. He was kind of tall. And then And Pastor Adam said, well, what was he wearing? And the man said, that. And he pointed at the baptismal robe. And Pastor Adam said, okay, thanks. He was a little flustered by all of this. And then he turned and he was going to start running again. And the man said, wait, what are you going to do? And Pastor Adam, when he looks back at this story, He looks back at this moment in his life. He he says that, you know, sometimes God just gives you the words. And in that moment, God gave him the words. Because as he was running away, he turned and and he yelled, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Sometimes in our faith, we get caught up. We get caught up in the details and we forget what's important. We get so caught up in perfecting the process, the procedure that we miss the promise that God has for us. And it's then that we need to refocus and remind ourselves of the core of our faith. What's really there is the love of Jesus that holds us in this life. Our gospel lesson today, the one that we heard, is one of those reframes. There's this argument about procedure and about process and about perfection. And it's not about baptism, but it's about something else. Something else that is essential for a life of faith. It's about Sabbath. Sabbath, this Hebrew word that means to cease, to desist, to stop. For us, Sabbath is this command for holy rest. The Sabbath day is almost as old as this world because God created the world in six days and on the seventh day, 
God rested, not because he needed to. I can't imagine that God would need to rest, but he set before us a pattern for our lives in doing so of good and worthy work, but also of rest and communion with him. God commanded, not suggested, but commanded to his people that they rest. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, he calls Moses up Mount Sinai and he gives him the Ten Commandments, one of them being this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, your male or female servant, your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, the world churns on day after day after day. You and I, we produce, we sweat, we work for, for our, our lives. We work till we get calluses on our hands, our minds race. We solve problems, we create. We do all of these amazing, good, wonderful, important things, but they're not the only things, and they're not the final things. And so God calls us to a holy stop. God calls a holy stop to all of it. He tells us to stop and to quit and to lay it all down for just a moment, and when you and I follow that command, we are reminded that there is more than this world, that there is more than the to-dos of life, and we come into his presence and his goodness and his grace, and you know what? We need to. We need to do that. Look at our lives. We need to. Look at your life. We need a holy stop. We need it. And that's why God commanded it, I think, because he knew that we wouldn't do it on our own. And so for centuries, people have tried to follow that command. And today we hear this story, this sort of mix-up between Jesus and the religious professionals of the day about the truth of, of that commandment, about what's really at the heart of that commandment. Jesus and his disciples, they're walking through this field. The disciples become hungry, and so they grab some grain, and they start to eat it. And then sort of like the man who counted the 37 baptisms and ran out of the crowd, the Pharisees come, and they, they point out the error, and they try to trip Jesus up in this. And when they do, he points them to something that had happened years before. He says, remember that one time when, when David was fleeing and on the run, and he was starving, and, and he ate the bread of the presence, the, the bread that only the priests could eat, and because of that, he and his friends lived? Do you remember that? Was that so wrong? No. Jesus is reminding them the heart of why God gave the rules and the laws and the instructions, not so that we would be perfect because when we look at those laws, we realize that we can't be, but instead he gave them so that we would live good and godly lives. And with that, Jesus points them to a deeper truth. He says that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is at the center of the Sabbath. And it's not about perfection, and it's not about performance. It's about a person. It's about him. 
A Sabbath without God at the center is empty and worthless. And with just a few words, he points them back to what's important. And he reminds them, and and I believe all of us here this morning too, that all of the toiling and labor in the world, all of the attempts to get everything right in this life, it might feed our bodies, might feed our appetites, might feed some part of us, but, but it won't feed our souls. Scripture puts it this way. In Ecclesiastes, this is the, the message version. It says, we work to feed our appetites, but our souls go hungry. We work to feed our appetites, and meanwhile, our souls go hungry. That's what happens when we don't stop. Our souls go hungry. So let me ask you this morning, and I ask myself, believe me, I ask myself this very question. Who is the Lord of your Sabbath day? Who is the Lord of your Sabbath day? Is it Jesus Or is it something or someone else? See, the Pharisees, they filled their Sabbath by seeking to perform it just perfectly. And that became the Lord of the Sabbath, of the day that was supposed to be fully for God. And there wasn't holy rest for them in that. What about us? What about uh, you and me, what about our Sabbath days? What fills them? Who is the Lord of your Sabbath and mine? And there are all sorts of answers to that question. Who is it? Who is it? Is it the busyness of life? Is it soccer and baseball and summer vacations and, and seeking whatever that next big adventure is? And I'm not knocking those things because they're important things, but they don't fill our souls and they don't recharge the, the very depth of our spirit. Who is the Lord of your Sabbath? Is it work? Does, does Sabbath come and go without you knowing because you just continue to answer emails and make phone ca- calls and, and punch the clock and do chores and check, 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 check everything off? off of your never-ending to-do list. I've done that, and the world, I know the world celebrates it, but it grinds us down to nothing, and it burns us out. Who is the Lord of your Sabbath? Is it this sort of empty rest that our culture celebrates, the kind that leaves you more worn down than you were before? For a while, my wife and I, we would do this thing where we would go to bed, and then we'd sit there, and we'd scroll on our phones for the amount of time, I'm not going to tell you how long it was, uh, longer than I'd like to admit, And then we'd wake up the next day tired and we'd look at each other and wonder why. Empty rest on a screen or in a bottle or in a store. It might perk you up for a while, but it won't feed your soul. And eventually when Jesus isn't the Lord of our Sabbath, when something replaces him over and over again, whatever that is, that hunger becomes too much, becomes too much for us to handle. I read this beautiful story the other day of this woman whose name is Margaret. And Margaret remembers that her grandma Ollie, this fixture in her her life, she remembers that grandma Ollie was always busy. She was shelling peas or knitting or cooking or working except on Sundays. She observed the Sabbath strictly. She devoted that time to praying, to reading scripture, to resting. 
One Sunday, as a little girl, Margaret came to her, her grandma, Ollie, for help. She was working on this lace project, and she came to her grandma, and her grandma said, No, honey, I can't help you. The Lord commands that we don't work on the Sabbath. And it was strange to her then, probably sounds strange to us now, to imagine that, that the whole world could stop for a day out of the week. But looking back, Margaret realizes now that the world of this small town in Alabama where they lived, it didn't stop on Sundays. The weeds still grew. The crops still grew. Grandma was a teacher, and, and the stack of papers that needed grading was still there. The lessons that needed planning still needed to be planned. It didn't stop. But Grandma Ollie did. Margaret just about forgot that lesson from her grandma. And she grew up and she became a writer and she became this very busy writer. One who stopped for nothing. And then one day she came to the end of her rope. And she remembers coming home from a book tour, this long, exhausting book tour. And, and she was exhausted to her core, but she was unwilling to stop. And so she sat down when she got home and she started responding to the nine million emails in her e e inbox. Email after email after email until finally she actually fell asleep sitting in her chair. And she woke up and, and instead of going to bed, she switched chairs to one that's was less comfortable so that she wouldn't fall asleep again. She sat at the kitchen table and, and slowly her head went closer and closer to the table. She realized that she needed to rest. So after another nap at the table, she got up and she went to bed where she slept for 11 hours. And when she woke up, she remembered her grandma Ollie and the words in her Bible, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. And the next day she listened. She listened to God's command. She followed the example of her grandma. Part of that stop was a walk around the lake. And she realized as she walked that God's presence was all around her. She looked at his world, at, at the deer that she saw, at the, the birds, the flowers, the water, and she realized that they were like a hymn, singing to her, calling her to be who God had made her to be. But she could only be that. She could only be the person that God had made her to be if she found her rest in Jesus. Who is the Lord? of your Sabbath? Is it Jesus, the one who loves you, the one who gave his life for yours, the one who's never gonna let you go? Is he at the center of your rest? Let's hear the commandment today. Remember the Sabbath day, and let's not let our hungry souls miss the promise that's there for us, that God has waiting for us, Let's put them there, right at the center. You're here this morning. That's a great start. But if you don't know what's next, make it a priority this week. Stopping. 
a holy stop in your life. Make a stop. Set it aside some time. Put it on your calendar. Fight for it. That time to pray, to listen, to read his word, to read a psalm, to, to listen to, to spiritual music. Sit in the quiet. Start small if you have to and let that time grow and deepen and deepen. Don't let work. Don't let empty rest. Don't let this world rule over you. Make him the Lord of your Sabbath. Come into his presence. Let your spirit, your hungry soul, be renewed by him, the only one who can renew it and fill it and give you true rest. Place Jesus at the center and remember it's not about getting it just right. It's about getting right with him. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are tired. Life weighs on us. Things pile up. The world doesn't stop. But you command us to. Help us to follow that command, to trust in that command, and to find our rest, our holy rest, in you. In Jesus' name, amen.